Well, welcome. We're glad you're here. As we were uh, putting together some of the things for this week with uh, the theme, The Invested Life, we wanted to focus on a couple of different aspects. One, uh, invested life from the standpoint of you investing in uh, your own walk with God, and then from the standpoint of you learning to invest in others. And our speaker that we're going to have for the next few days is, is Mike Story. Mike is one of the guys that uh, when he talks about investing, it doesn't come from theory, it comes from actual practice. He's a guy who uh, for years I've watched him as he's invested in people, whether it was in the role as a pastor, and he actually built a church that uh, wherein they were discipling men and, and women and, and watching them really grow. And then later he went into student ministry and there began uh, to raise up labors uh, that he was sending all over the place from Oklahoma State University as he, again, invested his life and poured it into those. You know, there's a lot of things you can do when it comes to uh, discipleship. There's a lot of things you can do uh, without actually being a disciple. I mean, you can write books on discipleship. You can teach courses on discipleship. You can do all sorts of things. There's only one thing you can't do if you want to make disciples. And that is, if you want to make disciples, you have to be a disciple. And that's one of the things where you're really going to enjoy the time with Mike. Because Mike is a guy who walks with God. And he uh, is out of his life that he turns around and builds another. So welcome with me, Mike Story. He's going to be our speaker for the next few days. Mike. Thank you, Nicole. It was very kind to everybody. <clears throat> I'll go ahead and give you a disclaimer. <laughs> when it sounds like my speech is slurred and I've been drinking, <laughs> I have not. <laughs> when my thoughts seem disjointed and it seems like I've been smoking weed, I have not. <laughs> um, I have a friend in my life called Parkinson. It's my ever-present friend, so that's my part of the joy of walking life and an unwanted guest, but nevertheless we share space together. But it's a privilege to be here with you tonight. I deeply appreciate the walkers and so many of the campus ministers in California because of what they represent in the kingdom of God, because of who they are. But I want to talk about the invested life is the life of abiding. We're going to have different areas we'll look at, but the first is the invested life is the life of abiding. And I want us to pray. And I, I hope that my voice will not be a distraction. But what you'll hear is the Word of God. What you'll be listening to is the Spirit of God. And God's Spirit through His Word speaks to you in your heart. Some of you are here and you're searching. You've been around this Christian challenge thing. You've been watching some Christians. And you have a lot of questions. And you hope that what they've been telling you is true. That Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That he did do what he said in scriptures he did. That he came to take away the sins of humanity. And give a gift of eternal life after he pardoned us from our sins. And you'd like to know what that means. That is the beginning of the abiding life. And so my prayer is for many of you who may be searching. Then some of you 
You're kind of in that spiritual la-la land. You're consumed with academics. You're consumed with pursuit of fun. You're consumed with life. And you're neglecting the primary thing, that you're walking with God. May I challenge you, if you're a believer, make these college years count. Lay a firm foundation of Jesus Christ, for no other foundation can be laid than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Build on that foundation of gold and silver and precious stones, not with hair straw. Take care how you build Christ into you as you grow in Him, as you learn of Him. Don't waste your collegiate time. Use it as a growth time. Someday you'll be an old man or an old woman. Going to be sexist. <laughs> and you'll wonder where your life is. If you invested in the things that are eternal, you'll know your life has not been in vain. If you've invested in Him, if you've learned to abide in Him intimately, you know that your life legacy continues on in the lives of those that God's used in you and you and them to spread his fragrance. So let's think about abiding. Let's pray for it. Father, I pray that I will not in any way interfere or do anything that would take away from what you want to have spoken tonight. God, these ladies and gentlemen have come at a great cost and great sacrifice of time. And they didn't come to listen to me, but they did come to hear from you. So may I not grieve or quench or do anything that would separate them from that desire to hear the living God tonight. God, speak. Give us ears to hear. Give us courage to obey. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Now I want you to keep your heads bowed and eyes closed. Just listen. I am the true vine. My Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes it and makes it bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I spoke to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is who bears much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I've spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be. Abide in Him. Tonight, you're in a place 
of retreat. You made a decision, a choice to come. I hope you came as a learner. I hope you came as a man or a woman who simply wanted to encounter God. What does it mean to abide in Him? What does that mean? Imagine, if you would, what it must have been like when Jesus in Mark 3.14 said that 12, I want to spend time with you. The verse says in 8.12 that they would be with him. That has never stopped. Jesus wants to be with you in an intimate, meaningful, relational way. Not just a theological way, not in just some head knowledge, academic way, but in a way that changes you from the inside out, in a way that transforms the way you live life, in a way that you think that. He appointed 12 that they would be with him. The abiding life is the life of being with Christ. Jesus said, my father's the vine dresser, you're the vine. He prunes you so that you may be more fruitful. If you don't bear fruit as the dead branches are pruned from a tree, so he prunes you back and throws away the dead pieces of life that are no value to the kingdom. They give some great promises if you'll abide in him. Are you satisfied with your prayer life? I mean, are you seeing God move mountains? Are you seeing God change lives? Are you seeing God change you? When I went to Oklahoma State a number of years ago, I had a group of student guys that wanted me to disciple them or they were checking me out to see if I was worried, I'm sure. They came in and they told me what their theological position was, that they were well-defined and had God pretty well figured out. They were part of the spiritual theological elite. And I said, well, that's good. I'm not one of those, but let's talk. How are your quiet times going? And all of them struggled with this daily time alone with God. None of them had a consistent time where they just listened to God's Word, where they just spent time with Him. Then I looked at each one of them individually, there were about eight of them, and I said, are there any giants in your life that defeat you regularly? One by one, each one of them said to me, I'm addicted to pornography. And I was amazed, and I said, this is amazing to me, that you've got your God theologically determined and figured out, but you don't walk with Him. You really don't know Him. And the God that you think you know so much about has not given you power to be in liberty from sin. I don't understand this. Jesus told Nathaniel, come and see. Come and see. For you will see greater things than this. Jesus invites us to be with him. To abide in him. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you will and will be done to you. Is that like your prayer life? I mean, does God show up so powerfully and mightily in your prayer life that when you pray, lives are changed? We had an African speaker in our church not long ago named Titus. 
And he simply said, when you pray, things happen. When you don't pray, things happen. But I'd rather stand on the side of watching God happen in my life than not happen. You see, God wants you to understand that every promise of Scripture is given to you. Do you not believe that God loves you? This whole abiding process began in John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only unique son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. From the outset, the very beginnings of history, God called you to be with him through his son Jesus. For God so loved you, and so loved me, and so desires us to be in close proximity with him. The word abide means to live in, to remain with, to be intimate with, to be close to, to walk side by side. God wants you to know him. In the Old Testament, God revealed himself as I am. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I am the bread of life. I am the living water. I am was defined by the resurrection and the life, the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus wants you to know this God through himself. He beckons you to come into a meaningful, deep heart relationship that penetrates the depths of your mind. I studied philosophy in college. I saw a lot of angry men. They convinced themselves that there was no God and pulled away from the God who pursues. They denied his love and his invitation to be with him. Most of the philosophies that I studied were of men who were vomiting vile anger, angry at a God they had chosen to reject, angry at a God who they blame for the outcomes of violence and evil in the world. But really they were angry at themselves. God calls you to be with him, to abide in him. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you will and it will be done to you. Do you hear the promise of God in that verse? If you are living in me, if you're walking with me, if you're residing in me, if you're spending time with me, if my word is filling you up, my word sustains you, my word directs you, my word is a lamp for your life, my word fills you, my word gives wisdom to you. If that word is in you dwelling richly, if it abides in you fully, ask whatever you wish. It will be done for you. But as you abide, funny things begin to happen. You change. You don't want that fine calm. You don't want that stud muffin dude. You don't want that hot babe chick. You want what he desires for you. 
you desire him. I love Paul. Paul wrote so many exciting passages. One of them is in Philippians 4 11. For I have learned in whatever state I am, therewith I will be content. Verse 13 and 19 he talks about he can do all things to Christ Jesus. His God will supply all his needs according to his riches in Christ. Most people read those verses and get all hip hip away. It's really cool. Paul felt that way. But I want you to think about verse 11. I do not speak in respect of one, but I've learned in whatever state I am, therewith I will be content. He was in prison, he wrote that. Chained to a Roman centurion. But the secret to life wasn't freedom, wasn't education, wasn't status or money. Paul had discovered those things meant nothing to him in Philippians 3, 7, 8. He said, it's just rubbish. It goes into the rubbish pile. Verse 10 of chapter 3, he says, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of the suffering being made conformable to his death. That I may know him. This same God that gave Paul contentment in prison invites you to abide in. God wants to invest in you so deeply he gave Jesus his son. He desires you to be so invested in by him he gave you his word alive and active that the word of God could be the foundation for your life. This is not some other book. This is God's book. Test it. Challenge you and see if God is not able to do what He says He will do. And as you abide in Christ, you realize how much He's invested in you through Jesus, through the Word of God. And He's invested in you through the Holy Spirit. If you're here as a believer, God dwells in you. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which you have from God, and you're not your own, you're bought with the Christ? Therefore glorify God in your bodies, which are God's. You are the living temple of the living God, and His Spirit is in you. He wants to fill and direct. He wants to be intimately involved in every nuance and aspect of your life. Bind me. If you don't abide, your prayer life will never be what it should have been. Here it is, my Father glorified, that you bear forth much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Do you want to honor God? Do you want to please God? Do you want to really know God? Do you want to walk with God in a way that makes a difference both in your life and the life of those in your sphere of influence? Abide. And you will bear fruit. There's never been a disciple that was not a soul winner. There's never been a disciple that was not broken for people who didn't know Jesus. There's never been a disciple who wasn't a fisher for men and women. But there's another kind of fruit that's being developed too. As you abide in Christ, He refines your character. And gives you the fruit of the Holy Spirit, that love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. Against us saints, there is no law. 
He refines those things as you abide in Him. And God invites you, will you abide in me and so prove to be my disciple? And in that process, you bring glory to my name. You honor me. Do you want to honor God? Do you really want to hear, well done? I'm 64. I'm not real old, but I've had a lot of miles. And a few years back, I had a pulmonary embolism. I don't recommend those. <laughs> it feels like someone's trying to drive a 204 through your chest, and they get about two-thirds through and decide just to leave it. We were kind of like the Three Stooges. My boss, John Strapazon, who was the director of Oklahoma Collegiate Work at that time, and a fellow comrade armed John Kelsey, they were rushing me to the hospital. They about killed me on the way, but that's another story. <laughs> but I remember thinking as I thought I was breathing my last breath. I was alone in my hotel room. John and John had gone to get some coffee at Starbucks, and they weren't there. And I gasped for air, and I thought, it's over. I'll never forget the peace that came over my life. Just peace. And isn't that what God promises to those who abide? Worry about nothing but with prayer and supplication. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God that passes comprehension will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. That's the promise of God's word. I had peace. And then I'll never forget, I just had one thought. I didn't have my whole history flashing from my eyes. That would have been a busy encounter. <laughs> <laughs> but I just realized my life has not been in vain. It hasn't been in vain. And when I lived, obviously. <laughs> it caused me to want to abide in him more, to know him better, to dwell in his presence more determined. I want to bring glory to his name. One day I was walking down the street with one of these well-defined theological right guys, and he uses the word glory a lot. Glory, glory, glory. Either wrath or glory. And I said, what do you mean by glory? I said, you use it all the time. So what do you mean by it? He goes, that's a very good question. I really don't know. It's broader than my ability to comprehend it. And I remember thinking, that's a bunch of poppycock. Because <laughs> it virtually means to honor, to please, to do that which points all attention to someone greater than yourself. Jesus says in John 15, here's how you honor me. Here's how you bring glory to my name. Here's how you point attention to me. Bear my fruit, my character. Be a fisher of men, and in so doing, you honor me. But we'll talk more about that in another session. If you love me, you will keep my word. My word will abide in you, just as I have abided in my fathers. Abide in me. Abide in my love, he said. Did any of y'all struggle with feeling love? Did any of you struggle with feeling accepted? Do you understand that Jesus was the ultimate outsider? He fit in no one's team. 
Here is the original renegade. But not some vile reason to make some statement that meant nothing. To identify with us. You remember when he walked through Samaria and he met a woman who was nothing but a prostitute. In the heat of the day getting water. And he started talking to her because he loved her. Or when he went to the town of Jericho and he took a little road detour and he looked up in the tree and said, Zach, come down and come to your house today. Or when he told the lawyer who his neighbor was that it was the Samaritan. He was anti-culture. He was cross-culture. He was beyond culture. He penetrated the culture. He obliterated the culture. And that same God invites you to abide in him so that his character and his fruit may reside in so that his love may make you whole. Some of you girls here tonight have experienced horrific things. You were sexually or physically abused by someone that you trusted. And you carry the wound in this thing. Some of you guys do the same. And you wonder... Why would anyone love me? I can't accept this. We had a girl in our ministry that we had seen except Christ was growing by leaps and bounds. But she grew up with the voice of her father in her mind. Her father would say, you are so ugly. Why would any man want to do anything or have anything to do? You are so ugly. So she finally accepted that voice that no one can love me. No one can kill me. When you abide in Christ, when you abide in his word, when you abide in the fullness of his spirit, you realize how precious you are to him. And he says, come to me, you who labor in heaven laden, I will give you rest. Come abide with me. Walk with me. Take my yoke upon because it's light. My load's not heavy. You're precious in my sight. You're beautiful in my sight. The only one that can heal your wounded heart, the only one that can heal your wounds is Jesus. Because he made you. See, in the beginning, the scriptures tell us that God took dirt and formed a man and breathed the breath of life into him. That's the very same concept we see in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Verse 16, when it says, all scriptures, God, because the scripture of God breathes life to you. When I was really wise when I was 19, I was a, a mess of a kid. And I remember sitting in my mother's living room, had grabbed her Bible for some reason. And thought, what idiot could believe this book? I did. I'm an idiot. I'm the man. Do you hear him invite you? An invested life is a life of abiding. You can't help someone until you're being helped yourself. You can't show someone to go someplace you've never been. 
And Jesus invites you to come on the journey of life with him, to come see. Will you abide? Now there will be times the abiding life is a hard life. We'll talk about this more too. There'll be times God in his great love will prune you, will discipline you. And as in Hebrews 12, 11 says, For at the moment all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. Later, however, it yields a peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. I was a horrible athlete. My dad used to tell me, Son, you have fast feet, but you stay in the same place too long. <laughs> and then I was slow. I love basketball, but there was a couple of problems. I was slow, and I couldn't jump. <laughs> but I love basketball. I love football, but I was slow, and I hated pain. <laughs> slow is the constant theme of my life. That was the kind of boogaloo there. But I remember... When I played sports, you didn't get water. Neil remembers this. You didn't get water till, until the end of practice. You couldn't drink water during practice. You drank at the end of practice. And at the end of practice, before you could get your water, you did gut checks in basketball where you run, start the wall and run to the free throw line, back to the wall, half-court line, and you have to slap it, run back, free throw. And you do that, and you just totally exhausted. You think your guts are about to blow out of your cell. And the coach would say, you didn't hustle. Line up one more time. Why do they do that? They're massacres. No, they do it because they want you to be in the game in the fourth period. They want you to be playing when the other team's tiring and you still got gas in there. So when you feel you have nothing left, you line up and you're running wind sprint. That's why God prunes you. So that when things get hard, when things are difficult, when things are not going as planned, you say, thank you, Jesus. I'm content in you. Whatever comes my way in you, I will be content. Father, I trust your hand because I've walked with you long enough and far enough to see your faithfulness in every nuance of my life. And I trust you. And God, it hurts. God, it's not like it was. It's not what I thought it would be. But I trust you. And I believe you're doing this so I'll bear more fruit. I believe you're doing this so I can be more of a productive disciple, a more productive fruit bearer for you. So I can point people to you and I can be your billboard walking around on my campus. But all of this is of no meaning at all if you don't abide in me. These things I've spoken to you, that your joy may be, my joy may be in you, that your joy may be full. Isn't it amazing? Do you know what Jesus was getting ready to do when he said this to the disciples? He's getting ready to die. This is just hours before he would be crucified. Hours. He knew what lied ahead. And yet his heart is for those who he has to be with him. He knew it would be hard. 
And what he wanted them to have was his contentment, his joy, his position with the Father that all is well with my soul. Though the storms rage against, though health fails, though my world's not revolving like I thought it would, it's good because God is in the center of it. He wanted his men to abide even when he would die. Even when he would die to abide. Ladies and gentlemen, an invested life is an abiding life. Do you understand the depth of the investment Jesus has made for you? If you're here and you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, please don't waste this week. Get with someone like Neil, Brian Zinnigan, one of the wild Wooster men, or some of the other great Christian challenge representatives, Aaron, someone that are here, and say, I need to get some life answers to my questions. And I think you can help me. I need to find out what it means to be in a relationship with Jesus Christ. In 1971, I was a hippie. I was in Estes Park, Colorado, and I was spent. I was burned out. I was tired. And I had seen something for three days I'd never seen before. I saw a young man my age walk his talk. And it really became appealing to me. And there in a log cabin in Nessus Park in 1971, I got on my knees, and I don't remember exactly what I prayed. But it was something like this. Jesus, if you can do to me what you did to John, do it. If there's anything in my life of value to you, it's yours. I'm ashamed of what I've done, how I've lived, how I've behaved. I ask you, taking my life to your glory. All that I am is yours. It's yours. Be my boss, Lord. I didn't understand the ramifications, but I meant when I prayed. I had this yearning in my soul for something more that I couldn't find through the things I kept cramming down my life. And God answered that prayer. Now, I didn't understand all the ramifications of what it means to be a disciple, but I knew I wanted to follow him closely. I didn't understand all the ramifications of lordship, but I knew I screwed it up pretty bad when I was the boss, so I was pretty ready for him to take over. I didn't understand what it would mean in relationships and money and time and priorities and the things I would give my attention to but I wanted him to change me from the inside out. I wanted to be with him. I've never regretted that day. I've never regretted that decision. Now, 45 years later, I'm more in love with Jesus than I was at the beginning. I'm more needy of him than I've ever been. I, I can do nothing apart from him. I can't even change the oil of the car anymore. If you have shaking hands, you don't want a screwdriver in your hand or a wrench. I can't do much of anything anymore. So 
so I claim you. I abide in him. And he gives me all that I need. Every day. Because that's what God does if you abide in him. If you're here and you've not begun the journey, even tonight you could begin that journey. Maybe you're here and you've, you've begun the journey, but you've made a lot of stupid decisions along the way. I mean, you just made some bonehead decisions that are tough, and you're in relationships that you shouldn't be in. You're involved in other things that you shouldn't do. And God's speaking tonight, saying, let it go. And come to me and find rest. Come to me and begin to live with me. Abide with me. Walk with me. I'm coming to your house tonight. And you're looking at me, and I want you to keep looking at me. But if you don't know Jesus, please find him. He's found you. He calls your name. He sees the branch you're on. He knows why you're here. He knows you're here to encounter him. So come, meet him. If you've already begun the journey, you've been wasting time, stop and start abiding. Make tonight the first night of the new leg of the journey. That tonight, I will begin following wherever he leads. I will begin abiding. I will begin living and walking and being with him like I never had before. And I will surrender to his lordship and leadership in my life. Maybe tonight you just need to make a decision. I need to be more focused as a Christian and utilize these collegiate years for training, for learning, for growing, for preparing. The Bible declares that your life is just a mist that appears for a short time and vanishes in James 4.14b. It's all you are. In the morning when you walk outside, just go, that's your life. That's all you've got. So with what remains, abide. Abide in him. Abide in him. Father, I thank you for these men and women. I thank you, Father, for their desire to abide, so many of them. I thank you for those that are here searching. Maybe they just want to experience people they've never been around before. Maybe a friend that they didn't know all that well invited them to come. They have no idea why they're here. You do. Let them know how much you love them. Maybe there's a person here today that feels dirty, that feels unloved, unacceptable. Let them know how much you love, how precious they are to you. Maybe there's a person here that is buried deep, the wounds of the past, but they're not aware of how it's affecting their present day life. Set them free from the shackles of their past, that they may clearly and fully abide in your presence, shine your loving light upon them, and set them free. 
Father, I ask that you do this evening what only you can do. For your glory and for your namesake, for your honor. We want to point people to you. We want people to be drawn to you. We want to do things that are lifting you up. We want to be walking billboards for your goodness and your love. So help us to be invested by it. By abiding. And I pray this in your holy, precious name. Amen.